Good morning, Sangha. Can you all hear me? Is that working? I'll try not to lower my voice too much while I'm doing the guided meditation. I heard that that can be uh, difficult for people to hear. And we do have some fancy schmancy hearing devices here too. I think I probably need to try one of those. (laughs) So this morning we are going to do a meditative investigation of the second foundation of mindfulness, which is mindfulness of feeling tone. And feeling tone is huge as far as a potential um, object of wisdom to arise in us. Let me read this um, quote from the Agara Sutta, the guest house. In a guest house, practitioners, people from the east may take lodgings or people from the west, north or south. People from the warrior caste may come and take lodgings there, and also Brahmins, merchants, and people from the laboring caste. Similarly, practitioners, there arises in the body various kinds of Vedana. There arise pleasant Vedana, painful Vedana, and neutral Vedana. Worldly Vedana that are pleasant, painful, or neutral, and spiritual Vedana that are pleasant, painful, and neutral. So, Vedana is a wonderful um, object of our awareness because. Um, it can really show us very directly um, conditionality, you know, why certain things arise, and also impermanence, because Vedana pretty much changes a lot, and we can see that directly. You know, we might want to look out for those two things. What are the conditions for pleasant or unpleasant or neutral Vedana to arise and then just watch about how long they stay around, the impermanence of them. And again, you know, our mindfulness is the data collection system for wisdom, for um, intuitive awareness to arise. So we don't need to, you know, start thinking about it at all but we just need to collect the data and that conditions our wisdom and our insight. You know, we we get free through insight. This is also called insight meditation. So we are conditioning deep um, insight to arise. And Vedana has also a very specific push to it. 
you know, pleasant Vedana definitely conditions uh, greed and, <laughs> well, I guess it is um, worldly pleasant Vedana. You know, conditions greed and desire in us for sure. And um, unpleasant Vedana conditions aversion or ill will. You know, those... Um, those hindrances to arise in us. And neutral Vedana conditions, um, you know, boredom and sometimes uh, sloth or restlessness. And um, it conditions us wanting to have something a little bit more interesting. And Vedana is actually a really important part of the wheel of dependent arising. And how it works is um, we have contact with something. So we have contact with being in this room and hearing me or, you know, any contact you have. And then the first thing that arises after contact is Vedana, is feeling. So that, you know, you could... Be mindful of that as you walk around the day or, um, you know, as you're doing walking meditation, sitting, or even um, just the daily activities of the retreat. So contact, then feeling, and then craving arises right after um, feeling. It's, uh, so that's the push. The craving to want more and go forward. The push or craving to... Um, you know, get away or have it stop or the craving of wanting something more interesting. And then clinging arises after craving. So we're clinging, you know, we believe these ideas about this is where my happiness is or this is the cause of my unhappiness. And what is so brilliant after this is becoming happens right after that. You know, we are multiple, we have multiple identities, you know. And usually, or according to dependent origination, um, our um, existence or our um, identity arises right after the clinging. So that's an interesting thing. And again, you know, if we want to be aware of these things, we just want to see them with as strong mindfulness, samadhi as we can. We don't need to think very deeply about it. And again, there's a huge amount of <laughs> free resources about all of this that I will make available to you at the end of the retreat. So don't worry about wanting to know more. You know, we can understand it conceptually, but the real uh, impact of our practice is knowing it um, experientially is just to collect the data of seeing it directly. And these things are very subtle. You know, they can be very subtle. And um, so we have Vedana, pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral. We have it in our bodies. You know, we can feel that. And what are the conditions to have that arise and just how permanent it is? And then it also arises in our mind. 
you know, we all have, we also have pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral uh, mental feelings. And those are really important to see as well. And then spiritually, uh, there's two things I know that are the cause of um, unpleasant uh, experiences or unpleasant Vedana spiritually, and that is um, Hiri and Otapa, which is um, shame of wrongdoing. When you know that you have done something that is unskillful, uh, you'll, you'll have a spiritual sense of unpleasantness, of you know, just feeling bad about having uh, done something that you know, impacted another person or impacted our ability to sit this retreat or uh, impacting the container, impacting the ceremony. Uh, so uh, we have shame of wrongdoing. And then otapa is fear of wrongdoing, which is an unpleasant spiritual vedana. But it's actually very wholesome. Those are two very unpleasant feeling tones that are very wholesome. So if we have those, we should say, yeah. <laughs> And they don't feel like they're coming from us thinking about an egoic clinging or how other people see us. It really comes from uh, the Dharma. From you know, the Dharma is a natural progression that exists apart from any of us. It's like one of those laws of physics. In fact, this one article in um, uh, a physics, uh, Nature Physics, which is a big fancy schmancy article, came out about how consciousness awareness precedes all of material manifestations. And um, so this, you know, this process is part of that consciousness, just the patterns of consciousness and how consciousness and awareness works. And actually... Um, Vinny was saying so brilliantly this morning about that's where our mindfulness rests. It rests in universal consciousness and universal awareness. We all are using the same consciousness. It's not like we have individual consciousnesses. We are the material manifestations of, you know, just a universal consciousness slash awareness. So let's start. Let's get comfortable, but in a posture that will be useful for us. We'll, um, you know, manifest our alertness. So let's start with a whole body awareness. Let's start with a quick mindfulness of the body. Feeling our bodies from the tip of our heads to our feet. If we have them, if we don't, that's fine. A whole body awareness and feeling earth element, hardness in the body. Maybe imagining our skeleton. Hardness is earth element. And then water element is cohesion. Just feeling our whole body for the liquidity and cohesion in it. 
and fire element, feeling the temperature in the body. And then air element, the lungs expanding, the belly moving in and out. air element, back to a whole body awareness. Now we are going to do body scans for Vedana. Let's start with our heads. Thank you, head. May my head be well and happy. Is there any pleasant sensation in the head? Just feeling the top and the sides. Any pleasant sensations in the face or the back of the head? Moving to our necks. Any pleasant sensations? To our shoulders. To our arms. Feeling for pleasant sensations anywhere. And to our hands. Moving to our upper torso. Any pleasant sensations of the heart? We're looking for body sensations here and our lower torso. Any pleasant sensations? Our hips. Our legs, upper and lower. Scanning for pleasant. and our feet. Coming back into a whole body awareness. Pleasant sensation. Conditioned and impermanent. Now for unpleasant sensation. Let's start with our feet. Thank you, feet. We know you do a lot of work and we never give you enough credit. Are there any unpleasant sensations in the feet? If there are, what are the conditions for that unpleasant to arise? How long does it last? Moving up to our legs, our lower legs, and our upper legs. Any unpleasant sensation? To our hips, our pelvic area, 
Is there any unpleasant sensations here? Maybe it's temperature or not moving. Just to feel what feeling tone is in the pelvic area. Is there any unpleasant? Moving to the lower torso. Is there any unpleasant feeling? To the upper torso. How is our heart feeling? What is the feeling tone of our heart? Moving up to our shoulders. Is there discomfort there? Is there a slight bit of discomfort or a lot of pain? There's definitely a spectrum of Vedana. Moving to our upper arms and our lower arms, feeling the are looking for any unpleasantness in our arms and our hands, any unpleasant sensations. What does that feel like? Moving to our necks, the necks and shoulders can hold a lot of tension that when we are aware of it can be pretty unpleasant. And moving up into our head. Is there any pain in our head? Slightly painful or deeply painful? Our faces, our mouths, how are our teeth doing? the sides of our heads and the back and top. Any pain or discomfort. Coming back into a whole body awareness. Can we feel any unpleasant sensation? And we can notice the push of unpleasant sensation. Scratch me, stretch me, move me. It's excellent to be aware of the push. We can explore the conditionality of unpleasant feeling. And the way it impacts the mind. And now moving to neutral sensation. Let's start with our beloved heads. Thank you, head. May you be well and happy. Feeling our heads 
Are there any neutral sensations, neither pleasant nor unpleasant? Moving to our next. What does neutral feeling tone feel like? Just a little investigation. Moving to our shoulders. To our upper arms. Any neutral sensations. No pleasure, no pain. What does neutral feeling tone feel like? And what is the push of it? What does it make us want to do? The lower arms and the hands. Neutral feeling tone. Our upper torso. And our lower torso. Feeling our whole torsos. Is there neutral feeling tone? Where is it? Do we know what's conditioning that? And what it makes us want to do? To our pelvic area, our hips. There's usually a lot of feeling tone in this area. It can be a very big push for our activities in the world. Is there any neutral feeling tone here? The push of neutrality in the pelvic area, there's a lot of push there. Let's start with our upper legs. Just feeling neutral sensations. And our lower legs. And our feet. What is the feeling tone in our lower body? Is it different in parts of it or? Let's come back into a whole body awareness. Neutral feeling tone. And what is the push or the conditionality of neutral feeling tone? What does it make us want to do? Neutral feeling tone usually has a push for entertainment. We can see the conditionality and impermanence of that push and that feeling tone.
Now, in our whole body awareness, that was feeling tone of the body. Now let's look at feeling tone of the mind. How is the mind feeling? Are there pleasant sensations? Is our mental factors pleasant? I think on retreat, we have the opportunity of experiencing spiritual mental factors, spiritual Vedana, and the pleasant sensations of just being in the present moment. There is a slight, subtle, pleasant feeling of being in the present moment. See if we can sense that. Is there unpleasant Vedana in the mental arena, in our mind and in our heart? Is there anything unpleasant happening there? Is there neutral feeling tone in our mind and heart? So let's sit for a while and have mindfulness, look for Vedana as it arises in these bodies. We can rest in spacious awareness, which is all one awareness for all of us. And let mindfulness watch for Vedana to arise. Watch the impermanence of the sensations of pleasant or unpleasant or neutral. And the conditionality. When you feel pleasant, just inquire, what causes that to arise? Or unpleasant, what causes that to arise? And how long does it last? You don't need to sit through pain for a long time. You can explore the push, um, you know, what the pain or the discomfort is um, pushing you to do. See that as clearly as you can. And then scratch or move or do whatever the push wants you to do.
see the clinging in pleasant feeling tone, the wanting, the tanha, the desire. And the tanha of unpleasant feeling tone, the conditioned pushing away Sooner or later, our mind is bound to wander. Bring it back to this present moment and notice the subtle, pleasant feeling of being here right now, of being in this pleasant moment. In these last minutes, let's feel the pleasant sensations of metta, of loving kindness. See if we can bring self-love and 
a self-high regard to our mental and heart capacities right now, to our mental and heart sensations. What does loving kindness feel like? You can use the phrases or just emanate.
Any questions? Yes? Right. Yeah, that's a good question. So the two parts are, when do we stay with something and investigate, and when do we let something go? Well, I think um, around the letting go, I think it's interesting to see whether we actually can let anything go. You know, what's the conditionality of it arising and what's the conditionality of it passing? And actually, it's wonderful to see that because you see the impermanence of everything because everything is absolutely impermanent. Oh, good, I'm glad you put your thing on. (laughs) You put his mic on, yeah. And around spiritual bypass, absolutely, I mean... There can be a lot of spiritual bypass. And I think uh, last night I talked about sobbing meditation and stomping meditation. And, you know, a lot of times we can have those, uh, those you know, mental factors, um, you know, mental illness or pain from just experiences of our life arise. And we might not even remember what the source of it was. Sometimes we do if it was probably recent, but um, through body, pa- body scans and Qigong, we're getting so somatic that you know, we can be releasing things that happened 20 years ago too and not even know what the source of it was. So, um, but thinking through a lot of things... Um, I think that cognitively trying to do a, um, you know, maybe a psychotherapeutic session with ourselves, um, you know, we have huge amounts of time to do that outside of this four full day retreat. (laughs) And this four full day retreat is a very limited time for us to explore, um, you know, the intuitive awareness or a deeper sense uh, you know, our access to a wisdom principle into the insight. So I would say, um, you know, definitely don't get into a lot of thinking about what's causing this pain or what you should do about it. In fact, you can ask wisdom, what should I do about this? What, you know, intuitively, ask intuitive awareness, you know, what is a good answer right now to this? And wait to see whether wisdom arises in the moment. And definitely have a lot of time after the retreat to um, explore it more cognitively. That would be my advice. Vinny? 
Yeah, I, I mostly agree. Um, I think when I look to the body, oh, does this live somewhere in my body? Right? That's a really interesting investigation when something arises, right? Because there can be this sense that um, what we might call like a sheepdog meditation, <laughs> where it's just like, okay, stay with the breath, stay with the breath. Something starts, you know, awareness wanders and says, back to the breath, back to the breath. You know, what are you doing? So we don't want to have to hurry back to the breath in an urgent way, right? We can say, oh, wow, what sense gate is this coming through? What sense door? Is this a thought? Is it a sensation? Is it a sound? Right? So we could know it. Yeah. Right? And then, as Bonnie said, does this need to be explored further? And we can't let the head answer that because the head will always say yes. Say, so, oh yeah, this is important. Why did that boy punch me in the belly in third grade? <laughs> you know, so we don't want to forfeit the present moment to just cognitively investigate something. But sometimes there's more of a somatic experience of it. That might be very inward leading and onward leading. So, so we have to be able to discern, yeah, is this worthy of exploration? And that usually comes with, can I feel it somewhere in my body? Yeah, so that's how I answer that. Yeah, thank you. Great question. I mean, all the questions are great. So, back there, yes? Right. Well, there are certain uh, desires that we have that are totally inappropriate. Uh, And, you know, the first place that I go, or the first thought I had was looking at the precepts. Because, you know, we can have greed or desire around breaking the precepts and, you know, not living an unethical life totally interferes with any onward leadingness, you know, of the practice. So, you know, lying or, um, you know, speaking inappropriately uh, given what's happening in the moment or uh, speaking in ways that cause division, you know, things like that are very harmful. And sexual misconduct, there's a lot of desire around sex and sexuality uh, and which can be very harmful, given what the other person or our you know um, relationship status is. Um, 
and killing. You know, I'm not a vegetarian yet, and that's one of my highest desires is to become a vegetarian. And I'm, my partner and I are trying to figure out how to do that right now. And uh, so killing and the impact on that is very impactful. And, um, and intoxicants, that's huge, you know. That we often have desire for intoxicants. And, you know, I smoke pot almost every day between 13 and 30. <laughs> but, you know, I was lucky enough at that time to realize, wow, this is not getting me anywhere. And, um, you know, there's a lot of intoxication happening right now, particularly during the pandemic. Oh, my God, there's been like triple the uh, drug overdoses and deaths in the past uh, since, you know, March of 2020 up to now. So that's very um, probably inappropriate. You know, I say that and all of the, you know, I've seen the people who founded Insight Meditation Society and Spirit Rock have a glass of wine with dinner too. So, you know, it's good to have a little bit of balance around that as well. Have you seen them have a glass of wine with dinner? (laughs) What I hear in your question is like, what it brings up for me is, what is my relationship to renunciation, right? And what is renunciation? Like we come here for a short time, right? These conditions come together. They're very rare for most of us. And so it's like, okay, what am I doing here, right? And what is my uh, relationship to sense pleasure, let's say, right? Whether it's um, tea or uh, otherwise, right? So renunciation, my understanding of renunciation is, can I give up what takes me away from life? Right? That's how I understand renunciation. Now, in my life, I'm not a very renunciate person. I'm pretty self-indulgent. I got sheepskins and hot tubs and all that shit. I like sense pleasure, right? I'm going to come on retreat. I'm, I always do the eight precepts. I always, I don't eat dinner. I, I you know, somebody one time uh, on a six-week retreat, they put a chocolate bar on my zafu. And I just put it on the next person's zafu. I was just like, that is not my suffering. Like, because I know that I have six days left and there's eight cubes and now I have to do math. And like, no, 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 no. So when I come up on this land or on a retreat, I really try to say, okay, since I live um, with sense pleasure the other days of the year, can I just see what happens when I don't indulge that here? You know, so this is a a rarefied experience for for many of us. So I try to... To not wake that up in me, which wants sense pleasure, right? So that's just my relationship to that. Yeah, that's how I work with it here is mostly just deep, low bow, not this week, you know? And that helps me um, in many, many ways, 
right? Not only because <clears throat> of what Bonnie was saying so clearly about it's so fleeting. Any of the pleasure is so fleeting. And then I just want more of it. And that greed is awoke, awoken, right? And if I just don't do it, I see the desire come and pass. You know, and, uh, and that's a very valuable insight. The impermanent nature of desire when it's not um, fed. Yeah? So, many ways, no right answer, but for yourself, just noticing, oh, wh- what am I usually like? And how can I push my edge a bit? Right? That's what we're doing here, is pushing our edge, right? So I, uh, I think I mentioned this the first night, I, I'm a pretty lazy person. So when I come on retreat, I just follow the schedule. I just follow the schedule and I come to the sits and even though I don't want to, I don't want to get up early in the morning, I don't want to stay up late, you know, <clears throat> I want to go chill. So I push that. And then those of us that have that type A personality and we do everything, see what it feels like to mellow that out a little bit. It's like, okay, we've gotten so much approval for doing everything right. What does it feel like to rest a bit? You know? So we're here pushing our edge in all kinds of ways. Yeah. I hope that's helpful. Yeah. I've never seen a lazy Vinny, but <laughs> Maybe one quick last question. Yes? I'm sorry, say that again. Oh, yeah, that's the eight precepts. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I don't know that they're offering it. I thought I saw, first time ever I've seen on some forum we're not offering the eight precepts. It said that? On this retreat. And I I could have misread it. I don't know if something has changed, but um, in this lineage of the Theravada, of which I've spent a lot of time in monasteries, they don't eat after lunch lunch is the meal and it has to be done by 12.30 and the monastics just don't eat after that. They'll have a cup of tea or something at, at uh, dinner time, but there's nothing solid. And uh, Anyway, um, so I got into that there. Um, and also the other precepts is not sleeping on a high bed. Yeah, yeah there's, yeah, there's lots of precepts. What's the third one? Is not wearing jewelry or not adorning yeah, not yourself? Yeah, not adorning yourself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And when you go on retreat with uh, monastics, which I absolutely highly recommend, because <laughs> it's a totally, it's a pretty different experience than my experience, uh, it's always eight precepts, because they live eight precepts. So when you're going on retreat with a, a monk, you're going into, or a nun, you're going into eight precepts. Yeah. I'm sitting a month with Ajahn Suchito, who I might have mentioned is one of the most highly enlightened people I've ever met in person. And, um, you know, he's doing a month at the Forest Refuge in the winter, and uh, that'll be eight precepts for a month. And you get used to it very quickly. I mean, it doesn't seem like... Yeah, and the reason they do it is because 
As Bonnie was saying yesterday, you eat lunch and you want to take a nap, right? So if you're going to stay up late, it really behooves one to keep dinner light. You know, that's why they serve such a light dinner here, so that we'll have energy at nine o'clock to continue to sit. So that's the reason. Um, Yeah, so, yeah, you may even be feeling the effects of that already after a few days of not having a heavy dinner, right? And and that, that brings energy. Hmm. So, so I don't think yeah. there's any announcements, is there? Yeah. Oh, there is? Um, uh, maybe just one. Like we're in the middle of the retreat. This is, this is the center of it, right? So really, the invitation is give yourself to today, like fully, to the practice. Concentration has gathered, whether you feel it or not. This room is different. You're in an amplified, uh, more concentrated state. So enjoy that. The beginning of uh, uh, every session, we try to start with the body in the first foundation. Just breathe, just relax, and that gathers concentration, right? After a few days, concentration is gathered, awareness is uh, stronger. And now, what are you going to do with it? What we want is awareness to be in the service of wisdom. So now that you have some concentration, it's like, okay, let the wisdom factors really, um, let's, let's very, really devote ourselves to a lot of mindfulness and see, okay, we have the awareness. Can it be in the service of wisdom? What can I learn in this concentrated state? So give yourself to it. Yeah. Beautifully said. And I think particularly looking at the impermanence of things. I mean, how long is whatever arising lasting? You know, see the endings of things um, and the conditionality. You know, what happened right before this that conditioned this to arise? Uh, And, you know, not cognitively, but just with a mindfulness frame with as much samadhi or you know, strength as you can see, you know, what, what was the conditionality for this that is arising right now to be here? So I totally agree with Vinny, you know, this is a very precious, precious spiritual time. And we want to um, be deep in this ceremony and take care of the hall and follow the precepts of the, um, you know, of the retreat. Whispering is talking, so just be careful. The other thing is that we'll have group uh, meetings again. So check the board, come to the meetings, please. And if you have a question, I know there's questions still, you can leave a note if you need to. Yeah, we're happy to support you. Enjoy 
this beautiful day.